and welcome back to the Foreign Podcast Extra. This week we've interviewed a good colleague of mine. Let's see if I can pronounce it correctly. Nemach Derdic Palomino Edo. There you go. It's a fascinating interview about how she travelled to Denmark in the early 90s at just eight years old and how she became the woman she is today. I really do feel this story is, is pretty fascinating, relevant and important. Not only in terms of just like integration, which is what we usually talk about here, but also her strength, mindset and outlook are, are all in many ways inspirational, regardless of cultural and national background. Just as a point to note, when we do these interviews, we're at the mercy of the location we find ourselves in, and uh, that can, can affect the audio quality. But we have, as we always do, uh, done our utmost to give you the best sound quality possible in playback. So bear with us as uh, we perfect these things over time. But anyway, I urge you to sit back, grab a coffee or tea or whatever it is you like to sit down and relax with and have a listen. See you next week. Bye-bye. When was the last time you spoke English? Um, I don't know. In, in Sofia for like two months ago. In Sofia, where, you know, yeah. just, just, just for our listener who doesn't know geography. Uh, Bulgaria, right? Bulgaria. In Bulgaria. Yes, okay. Bulgaria. Yeah. So just a holiday? Um, no, it wasn't a holiday. It was a job, actually. It's an Erasmus Plus a project that I'm involved in. Oh, so Erasmus, that's yes. like working for e in different places in the EU. Yeah. EU-financed sort of educational project. project. Yes. Project. What were you doing there? Well, I'm involved in a project that's called EASY. Yeah. It says educating stereotype, uh, against stereotypes. Right. Uh, adults educating adults against Stereotypes. Okay. So we are trying to make some a toolbox how to educate in different levels. Yeah. Against stereotypes, it can be gender, age, ethnicity, were, whatever. And you were doing that. Yes, I'm doing that in a period of three years. So I'm will finishing the project in August this year. So you're going to be going back again to Bulgaria this year? Not to Bulgaria, because we are five countries involved right. in the project. Yeah. So we travel to all five countries. Okay. So the left one is Poland. We're going in in May. In May. Yes. Yeah. That's the final meeting in this project. And that's going to be in English as well? The whole thing is in English or what? Yeah. I've often wondered how... I'm going to change the subject. Yeah. How do you pronounce your name? Like properly, like properly. Yes. I am glad you asked because I was thinking maybe this is my opportunity <laughs> to reclaim my name. Okay. My name is Nerma. Nerma. Nerma, yes. You see, that's a bit of a, the, 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 the yeah. roll on the R. The, Nerma. The hard R, R yeah. that the Danes cannot pronounce. No, no, Some of English, them I don't think. <laughs> so when I came to Denmark, everybody called me. Nyama. Nyama, yeah. And that, that's very nasal. stuck. Nyama, yeah. It's really in the nose. Right. So that's stuck. And okay. for the last few years, I was wondering, I always, when I meet students and yeah. I don't know how to pronounce their names, I ask them, yes. please tell me the correct way to pronounce your name because I know it's very important it is, yeah. for you to be accepted as a human being. Yeah. 
that people pronounce your name. And I wasn't doing the same with my own name. So my name is Nerma. Nerma, yeah. And I'm using it. But would you rather <laughs> I'm not people... using it here. No, but would you rather people say it incorrectly and try it? Or is yes. it because if I say hi Nerma, yeah. for me it sounds stupid because I'm not getting it right. Ah. You see what I mean? That, because You're I can't get the R. Almost right. That's what I mean. So yeah. would you rather I got it almost yes, right? Or I would. just say hi Nerma. Yeah, well, that doesn't make a big difference it doesn't make a in big the difference. pronunciation, okay. I think. I'm not hearing it not hearing as a, you know, okay. two different names. Yeah. But when whoever can pronounce it, Nerma, I would prefer that. Okay. But I haven't said it to anyone. So no, you said it to like the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> now I've said it to the whole world. Yes, it now the whole world, the, the world is listening. Yeah. yeah. No, um, yeah our one listener so. now knows yeah. um, how to so say So, my that. name is Nerma. I'm 41 years old. Okay. And I'm from Banja uh, Luka, which is the second largest city in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Yes. Where I grew up until I was nine, I think. I was born in 82 and I left in 92. So okay. almost 10 years Yeah, old. So I've been living in When you say Denmark. you left. Yes, I'm a refugee. Okay, so you had to leave. I had to leave because... It wasn't because like, let's move to Denmark and see what that's like. No. no. Well, uh, our journey, well, it starts from Banja Luka. Yeah. And then we went to... Serbia, actually, yeah, because we had an aunt living in Belgrade, right, where we could stay for a few days before we uh, we made it to Croatia, where we knew there had been a a refugee center for women and children, yeah. So we went there. My mother and my little brother and me, we went. My father, he uh, he decided to stay because in, he in yeah Bosnia. yeah okay because he was afraid to get caught at the airport when we left because we went on an airplane so you with the enemy no no okay so we had some connections in our family that could get us the access into the you know it's a military airplane. With right. the military from the Serbs. So we went and we couldn't say our names. Okay. So we just, you know, like undercover. Wow. <laughs> there were, uh, I think, five, six families traveling the same way. And we get on the hangar, you know. Yeah. And the airplane closed and we flew in half an hour to Belgrade, where our refugee Journey starts. So, if you didn't have those connections, how could you? I mean, you know, if we could leave without yeah. the connections, yeah, yeah. How, how could you get out? How could you have gotten out if you didn't uh, have those connections? Well, the war started like in you know ninety one, mm. and this was in April or May to ninety two, and I remember my grandfather. We lived. The door next door to my grandfather and grandmother, I heard him speaking to my father, saying we should get women and children out, right? Because they could, you know, see the tension. 
So decide, so they decided to send us off. Mm. And I, at that time, you could still leave, I think, uh, voluntarily. Yeah. But maybe you could get caught at the, at the border and then... I don't know what would happen. Okay, all right. So we wouldn't, we weren't sure to, you know, not get caught. Anyway, you landed in Serbia. Yeah, and then we stayed at our. It's it's my grandfather's sister at the time. Mm. Uh, we stayed there for three days, I think, and then we bought tickets. I, I think. Everything I say, it's what I remember. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you're only ten. Or nine, yeah, so. I'm not sure. Yeah. It was, you know. Exactly how it happened. But we uh, got tickets to, I'm not sure if it was um, on a bus or, yeah, I think it was traveling on a bus to Croatia. Yeah. Because actually my uncle, he lived in Croatia. So we met with him and he showed us where this refugee center was. Because it was only a refugee center for women and children. Mm. So we get to live there for some time, and then we lost connection to my father. You know, telephone connection, right? Okay. Connection because we could speak to him for the first, I don't know, maybe a week or two, and then they cut the lines. So we didn't know anything. We didn't know if he was caught or he was hiding. My father. Right. He was hiding at home because they wanted to, you know, either use you as an ex- exchange or soldiers or the army or kill you. I don't know. Yeah. So he was hiding and then we couldn't get in touch with him. So that was a bit traumatic. Yeah, it yeah. sounds very traumatic. Yeah, really. Yeah, it was um, traumatic, yeah. It's okay. Um, I remember I had some dreams that I could, you know, hear him in front of the window where we stayed, but I couldn't touch him because we didn't know if he made it or nothing. So we stayed there for a year. The good thing was all the other um, people staying there were in the same situation. They all missed their fathers and Mm. were refugees. So... So we had a nice time. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. We had a nice time, the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I grew up in like a month. That's yeah. how it feels. Yeah, I can. Um, well, I can't relate to it, but I can certainly understand how yeah. that can really affect you. Yeah. So my father. But when you say that, sorry, just when you yes. say you grew up, so what do you, uh, even though I think we can all relate to it, if you can, can you put some words on it? Yeah. Um, what do you mean? We you stayed, we stayed at this center that was, it was bungalows mm-hmm. and like a hotel that was used in the, you know, 70s, 80s as a vacation center. Um, so we stayed there and we had to take care of our siblings and, you know, help the the mothers wash the clothes or, you know, chores. <laughs> okay, so you were kind of doing that adult sort yeah. of work yeah. in a way yeah. and having to have responsibility. Yes, because... remembering to do things and things yeah, like that. So, yeah, and the, the women were off in the city, you know, trying to make connections with their husbands. 
So they were asking, we had Caritas. You know what it is? No. It's like the Red Cross okay. organization. So they had meetings and, you know, trying to get some information yeah. what has happened because we didn't have a lot of information. They saw the news, but yeah. they didn't tell exactly about their situation. So we, um, the kids were like little adults. So I think we've all been in suspense now long enough. Your dad. He's alive. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one day, there was one telephone in this refugee center. Yeah. One day, some women, I think, come, uh, came running towards my mother. Mm. We were sitting. We, we all had, a, you know, um, a bedroom at this size, I think, uh, per family. Yeah. And she come running. She came running and said, "There's a somebody's calling you on the telephone." And we were, we didn't expect it to be my father because she didn't say. Mm. But she said, "It's a male voice." Right. <sighs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Response. Yeah, and I remember the feeling. Right. Maybe it's it's my father. So we ran up to the telephone. My mom picked up and I could see it wasn't him. No. So I was like, I was so disappointed. But the good news was it was one of his friends, one of our neighbors from Banyaluca, calling us to let us know that he's on his way. That's how I remember it. So he was coming to where you were? Yes. And we were, you know, ecstatic because totally happy. Yeah. And I've always had a connection with my father. I was, we were, you know, pretty close. So it meant a lot to me. You're still close now? Yes, we are. Probably more so now than you probably were before. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the, because of the amazing it was, he's still around and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the missing part for one year. So when did you when did you land in Denmark? <sighs> I did well the year after actually I think we we uh, escaped in April or May yeah. 92 and then we came to Denmark April or May 93. What happened was my father did actually come to the center. But since it is a women and children center, somebody, you know, um, bratted about him. You know, somebody said that he was there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Stigl. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, what you mean. Somebody, rat- yeah, you can say ratted on him. Or ratted somebody, on yeah. him. Yes. Somebody ratted on the police that no. my father was there. They told, so the, he they, barely, they told the police that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So he barely was there. I think he was there. Two days or something. Okay. And then the police came and took him. So even more trauma for me. <laughs> um, and we didn't know where they put him. And my mother, again, had to collect the information, see if she could find yeah. out where he was. And he was incarcerated in a private um, house. Right. To be exchanged with some 
Croatian soldiers. Okay. Because this was the Croatian police that took him. Yeah. And they wanted to use him as exchange for their soldiers to the Serbs. Yeah. So at that time, my uh, my aunts and my grandmother they also came to Croatia, but in a different city. Mm. And then my grandfather got cut, got out as well. So okay. he came to see us. Yeah. And then he said, "I'm going to find him." So my grandfather took to Zagreb, that's the capital of Croatia, and he wandered around for two days in the city asking people on the corner if they have seen or heard anything. And he found him. Wow. So he stood outside the house. He spotted that this was a private, I don't know if you could call it a jail, but, you know. Private residence or yeah. something, yeah. And then he paid off the, the guard to let my father go the day after. And slept on the street, my grandfather, at the age of 60, but three days waiting for my father. Then my father got out, and then he took him by the hand and said, you're buying a ticket, you're getting out of here. Because males who didn't want to go to uh, the military, yeah, they weren't safe. Okay. So he had to get out. And then he he uh, bought him a ticket to Denmark. At that time, you could actually get, I think they called convoys, right. buses yeah. that drew uh, went to Scandinavia with all the refugees. Okay. And that's how he came to Denmark, and that's so we got the connection through him to come to Denmark, as you know. I don't know what's it called in English. Familia something. Yeah, I don't actually know what it's called either. Yeah. It's but yeah, you um there's a law where you can um as a refugee you can have your family come yeah. with you. And that's what happened. Yeah, that's yeah. So we traveled from Croatia, we left the center, and then we took exact the, the exact same route as my father and we went to Denmark. So you all unified again here. We were, yes, in Copenhagen. So after Copenhagen, I want to kind of, um, you know, when did you start learning Danish and going to school and everything else? How, how old were you there when you started sort of school in Denmark? How old sort of was I? I was, time now. I was 10 and a half when I came to Denmark. And then actually we had some schooling um, at this refugee centre. It was on a boat, actually. You had some schooling on the boat? Yeah, so we had some, yeah, I don't know if you could call it schooling because they were, you know, regular people asked, Bosnians asked to educate us whatever mm -hmm. they could. So they had some, um, it, was, it was not on the boat. We had to go to school every morning. I don't know where it was. Kaserna. Yeah, barracks. Yeah. Military barracks. Yeah, military barracks. Near yeah. near the boat. So we went, all the kids, mm. at 8 o'clock, with the staff on this boat. Yeah. We went to school, and then we had some education. I don't remember what education we got. <laughs> I know we went to what you would call a school, but it was, you know, 
a refugee centre. And you were about how old were you then? I was 11. 11. So I missed out a lot of schooling because I went from Bosnia when I finished third grade. Yeah. So fourth grade, I didn't go to school. Fifth grade, sixth grade, all of those three years I missed out. We went to school and I took tests that showed I could manage but we didn't have proper schooling. So in a way, you've come, you missed out three years of school, came yeah. to a different country. Yes. After having quite a traumatic experience. You've learned the language, received education in a foreign language. Yes. And educated yourself to master's degree level. Yes. That sounds like a super that sounds, woman. It does, doesn't it? That's yeah, like quite amazing, really. It sounds like it. You know, in a way... It doesn't feel like it. (laughs) You can can kind of say just coming here and maybe kind of getting a, you know, your, what you would call a high school diploma would be a success story, right? Yeah. But you've actually educated... And what is your master's degree in? Spanish and social science. But you must have some kind of natural flair for language, right? I don't. Because you obviously speak Bosnian still. Yes, I speak Bosnian. It's called Bosnian, right? Okay, it is called Bosnian. I speak Bosnian... Clearly with my family, right? Yeah. Uh, I try to speak it with my kids. Mm. Um, I speak English. Well. Now? And now I do, but <laughs> not as well as you do, right? Well, yeah. Um, I can manage in German when I need help. Yeah. <laughs> and I speak Spanish, yes. Yeah. And Danish. And Danish, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, your... Um, the language has a lot to do with integration. Yes, I do. Because I was talking about you today, behind yeah. your back. No, behind I'm... my back? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I was talking to a colleague of ours um, about the, you know, if, if you turn your back on, on, on you while you're speaking, you just wouldn't know that you, were, you had a kind of a, a different ethnicity. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to tell. No. We have other people, like with me, though, if you turned your back on me, you could hear it, right? You yeah. could hear the fact that I have yeah. an accent. Yeah. And uh, there's other colleagues we have here that have also maybe have similar stories to you, yeah. similar story to you, yeah. and you can also hear it with them. Yes. Is it is it something you've worked on, Is it or is it just a natural thing, or...? Actually, I don't know if that paid off or it was something else, but my father actually, why we lived in... Uh, another refugee center here in Denmark. Yeah. He actually paid uh, private schooling for me to learn Danish. Right. So I went there with this nice old lady. I think she was 80 years old, mm. an old uh, professor. And I went there with a few kids two times a week for two hours. And then we were, you know, practicing Danish. I don't know if it was that that, you know, paid off or... I just mm. am good at speaking. But it's not, it's not something you're conscious of. It, for you, it's just natural. You don't, yeah. You're not thinking about the words you're saying no. and how you're saying them. No. It's just how you do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. now I'm thinking about it in English because... Yeah, know, of course. Yeah, but we, I'm just saying when you yeah. talk Danish. Yeah. No, no, I don't think about it at all. I also dream in Danish. I dream in Danish. I dream in Bosnian. I dream in Spanish. Mm. That's... I mention it because when I was in, when I started in Danish class, you know, ordinary Danish class. Yeah. We had like 
schooling at a Danish school, but in um, in a classroom when, where only refugees were, modtagerklassen. Yeah. Um, and we stayed there for I don't know a few months, and then the principal come came and asked me, "Would you like to try how it is to go, you know, and be with the other Danish kids?" And I, well, I didn't know why he asked me and not all the other kids. And I said, yes, I can try it. And he said, you can be there until December, mm. the Christmas vacation. And I said, okay, I can try. And then I entered the Danish class Yeah. in sixth grade or seventh grade. I'm not, no, it's seventh grade, I think. Yeah. And then I went there and, you know, participated in schooling with all the other kids. And it was great. And December came and January came and February came. And I was like, so when I'm, am I going back? <laughs> and they said, well, you're not going back. You're staying. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I go as a normal kid. They said, yes. How did and, that make you feel? Do you remember? Yes, I was quite happy about it because, you know, the picture of us refugees mm. in a classroom by ourselves, it made me feel like, you know, we weren't part of the society. Yeah. But I didn't actually, I didn't think, well, what about the others? Because they actually got to go to their... We were different grades yeah. in, in the, you know, refugee class. So they went on their own yeah. level. So that helped you maybe feel a part of society? It helped a lot yeah. because all the, um, the friends that I got in my classroom, they were really nice yeah. and tolerant and including. They invited me, you know, to gatherings, mm. whatever. Yeah. I was just a part of their class. So it made me feel appreciated. Right. I think I see it as my first step to assimilation. Assimilation? Yes. So that's how you see it. You don't see it as integration. You see it as assimilation. Yeah, because today I'm a grown-up and I do not have a lot of connection to... Bosnian society? No. No. But you said you try and speak it with your children. I speak Bosnian with my mother and father, my mm. my uh, my brother as well. Yeah. And well, all the people I know. Yeah. I speak it with a colleague that works here as well. Yeah. She's also a Bosnian, so we speak Bosnian when we see each other. Yeah. When there's nobody around, <laughs> you know, because I think it's quite rude to speak your own language when there's a third. Party. Okay. Right. Yeah, I'm quite rude then. I, I do. I I don't think about it. I just do it with Stacy when I see oh, Stacy. Okay. We talk English with one another. Yeah. Like even if the room's full of Danish people, but he he also has the same. I don't think about it. But yeah, I'm not yeah. saying I don't agree with you. No. But I just I just all of a sudden go to English, and. But I've never noticed I, that. And I think that if people are listening and don't understand, they can just ask. So I'm not doing it to be exclusive. No. No. Like, you know, it's not, it's not like it's a private, but I understand what you mean. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, okay. So I think it's, in, it's the feeling inside of me mm. 
Yeah, right? yeah. No, I, I can completely follow yeah. the logic that yeah. that other people. But there, there is a thing as well, isn't it, in Denmark or maybe in every country where, you know, when kind of foreigners come and yeah. you you're standing at the bus stop and there's two people talking a language you just don't understand. Yeah. And there comes the whole kind of you know why can't you just speak Danish with one another or yes. why can't you speak English? Well, I mean it's not a, a yeah. it's not an exclusive Danish thing. No. So I, I can kind of get it because then in a way they're excluding you. Yeah. And they're the minority, so they should be. You know, there's this whole kind of dynamic yeah. going it's, on, right? Yes. Yeah. There's a complexion there. But so you don't feel foreign. No. In some situations, I feel foreign. When somebody tells me, well, you're not from here. Do they do that? Or when does that happen? Yes. I get well, it quite a not lot. Not directly. Yeah. Not directly, but there are some kind of, you know, in Denmark we call it, I call it, hygerasisme. Yeah. Yeah, right? cosy racism. Yeah. I think we've mentioned it on the podcast yes. before. I've sort of mentioned it. It occurs in every level of society. Yeah. And and it bothers me a lot because do do? I don't I don't I Do you do? Intentionally not. Okay. Because I'm trying to be, you know, politically correct. Yeah. As the best that I can. I'm aware of the, you know, the problem because I feel it myself. So I'm trying not to do it. Yeah. Because of myself. Mm-hmm. But it it occurs. It does occur. Yes. At work. Um, I mean, again, this is not going to go political, but does it, does, does it occur at here? work? Yes, okay. it does. So it's not just society. No. Because that's one of the questions I've wanted to ask you. Yeah. Is that because um, you're Muslim? Right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You said I'm a modern of, Muslim. You're a modern Muslim. Yeah, see, yes. Again, we can yeah. get to that afterwards then, because yeah. there is a difference, and that's another question I wanted yeah. to ask. But when Muslims then are, which they are, they are, you know, there's a type of Muslim. So yeah, we we can try and see if we can get the whole thing in. Yeah. There's like a modern Muslim, maybe like yes. yourself, where you know you you're not wearing a headscarf. No. I take it. You, I believe in God. Yeah. God or Allah. Well, same. Yeah, that's the same. That's the same. Allah is only the Arab uh, Arab word for God, right? Right, yeah, but so but a Christian wouldn't say they believed in Allah, would they? They'd say they believed in God. But for me that's the same. For you it's the same yeah. thing. So you accept that kind of I believe there's only one God. Right, yes. But I don't pray five times a day. day and you don't wear a headscarf no. or anything along those lines. So but so when Muslims are spoken about because just in every country, it's not again exclusively Danish. There's been some quite hard rhetoric against yes. Muslims, yeah. but again, the type we've discussed it on the um, also on the podcast, so the listeners should know. There's these two different types. Mm. There's the non-Western and Western. Yes, and it's usually the non-Western yeah. Muslims that sort of are, are, are criticised. Yeah. Um, I'm the lucky one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but, but in a way, but do you feel that anyway? Do you feel that okay? That I mean, you are Muslim, but just not as Muslim, you know, not in the Muslim I'm in the, the same Western way as they are. Muslim. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're the Western Muslim, but yeah. do you kind of feel that that kind of, you know, d- d- does that bother you? Does it affect you in any way? Or do you think, well, they're not talking about me? So, you know, or, or do you sort of feel a part of that criticism, even though you know they're not talking mm. about you, you still feel it? Does that make yeah. sense, the question? I do, f- yeah. I do feel it for the practicing Muslims to yeah. say, to 
the traditional Muslims, I do feel the pain mm. of being um, criticized for believing in God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, practicing their own religion, culture, traditions. I do feel the pain, even though I'm not that attached to the to religion as mm. they are. Because I don't like the injustice. I think I think that's the f main feeling inside it's more the of me. The social injustice that, that yes, bothers you. It bothers me a lot. But it but it doesn't sort of affect you in a way like personally. So if someone's personally, criticizing it Muslims, doesn't. Yeah, it's not like you yeah. get offended because of that. No, it's the social injustice. Yes. that that affects you. Yeah. Because I think Muslims are. Criticized because of the Islamics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not the same. I know the difference, mm. but not everybody knows the difference. Yeah. So I can, you know, detach myself yeah. from the critic and say, well, that's because they don't know better. Yeah. But not everybody can do it. So when you were talking before about the hookah racism and this sort of like racism yeah. for yeah. fun. Kind of thing. I think a lot of people know what it is. You just yeah, just a sort of offhand comments that aren't meant to be it's nasty. Like, yeah, but it's just sort of to make an inappropriate joke. Yeah, it's like oh, racist. you're so lucky. You're so brown. Okay, you get that, do you? <laughs> yeah, right. and I'm like, uh, what do you mean? Yeah. I'm not brown. No, you're not. No, I'm normal skin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't consider myself as brown. The funny thing is that my daughter, she's 15, she came home one day, it's a year ago, I think, and we were talking about uh, different ethnicities. Yeah. And then she said, I, I think I said, we, the white people. Mm. And then she said, what? We're not white. And I was like, what do you mean? Mom, we're not white. We are not considered white people. Mm. I couldn't, you know, grasp the idea of me not being who I think I was. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah. The funny thing is, my husband also is a refugee. Right, yeah. So he's also a brown person. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he's also brown, one, of, one of them. Yeah. Yes. So it was, it was funny for me to... But do you know you what know, your daughter means by when she says you're not white? Yes. Because there's quite a lot in that, actually. Yeah. Even though it's one very small statement, there's there's quite a lot going on in I there. I think, well, I think she means that the society looks at us mm. as different. Yeah. But I don't feel different, even though my hair is darker, my skin is a bit darker, right? Yeah, yeah, only it's a not... shade or two. Yeah. That, that's it, yeah. So I think it has a lot of... But you also think maybe because she doesn't, because, and maybe I'm just interpreting incorrectly now, but there's yeah the fact that society doesn't view you, you, but also the fact that maybe your daughter can see that she is not just on a sort of physical sort mm. of um, um, I don't mean physical um, yeah sort of, yeah an outside yeah just yeah. the color of her skin that she does actually have a different culture a different way of approaching certain yes. situations than normal Danish people yeah. There's also the other way. So she doesn't feel 
Not that she feels excluded, but she doesn't yeah. feel 100% sort of white, white Dane. Yeah, I think she, does, she doesn't feel as a white Dane, even though our upbringing of the kids are quite Danish. Yeah. You, we do all the things normal Kindergarten, Danish, school, all the... Everything. Uh, fast alone, which is kind of... Yes. What's that called in... So the Mexican thing. Masquerades, yeah, right? Yeah, and when you bang the... Yeah. Bang the... Yeah, yeah that I thing know. From the hanging from a tree. Yes. Sort of a sort of piñata. Piñata, yeah. Sort yeah. of a piñata style thing and everything. You see, you, you do all that. You do all the Danish... We do all the traditional Danish stuff. Mm. We eat Danish food. <laughs> we have Danish friends. Yeah. We do everything. That's why I say I'm assimilated, right. not integrated, because I do a lot. Yeah. I only... You know, only speak my own language with my family. That's the, you know, the Bosnian mm. character that I have. So I feel Danish, but my daughter, she feels like she has a split personality. Because her mother is from Bosnia, her father is from Chile. Oh, she's Chilean. Chilean. Yeah. Chilean? It's Chilean Danish. It's yes. Danish way of saying it. Yeah, see, that's the problem. It yeah. Gets cute. Yeah, Chilean yeah. is Danish. Chil- yeah, Chile. He's from Chile. He's from Chile. Yeah. <laughs> so Chile. we are like a multi-international family. Yeah, you are. And I cannot say to her, well, you are Danish because she's born in Denmark. She has a Danish passport. What do you want? But the thing is, she is darker than the other kids. Mm. And that's why I think the kids, they react on what they see yeah. and not what they do. But it's quite, it's quite interesting, I think, because you could easily, I mean, I think you said you listened to the interview with Stacey, what I was yeah. talking about with him there. You could do it in London, but if we, took, if we take the example I took about America, yeah. you know, you can be Italian-American yes. and you can be Irish-American and every kind of American, but there's also an American culture as well as that. Yeah. But Denmark maybe is just too small. So there's either Danish or not Danish. But is there an America culture that's not Italian, Mexican? Well, there's the whole Irish. kind of this this idea of, you know, uh, that, that onion model where they kind of, there's the heroes yeah. and there's traditions yeah. and there's, if, if you celebrate those things and mm. you're accepted as an American, yeah. but in, in your own kind of private home or in these areas, you can. Be Italian American, yeah. but as long as you kind of subscribe to these kind of national events and yeah. and 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 these other kind of cultural okay. uh, markers, now then, I understand. Then, then yeah. you're kind of American yeah. in that sense, yeah. right? But so I was thinking, but you know, because in a way, it's kind of a stupid question. Well, not a stupid question, but the idea of being Danish is just so kind of what what the Danes was called fear candid. You know, it's See, because. You know, you're you're absolutely right. It's pretty much in one box. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You are. Um, she is Danish. Yeah. She is Danish. Yeah. But she doesn't feel Danish. But I mean, if you lived in London, you could easily, and you had exactly the same. Yeah. You could easily say, "Yo, I'm English. I'm from London." Yeah. And maybe your daughter would see herself as a Londoner. Yeah, maybe. Because London is so multi-ethnic yeah. that, that you're just a part of every, you know. Yes. But being here, she kind of maybe indirectly feels sort of, I wouldn't say, you know, again, I'm, I'm only trying to interpret you, but it's just different. Yeah. She often says, 
that her friends, you know, mention her other ethnicity. Yeah. So they point out mm. that she's not Danish. Yeah. It. She says it doesn't. It doesn't bother her. No, no, I'm sure it doesn't. Because not. you know they're friends and they don't mean anything bad about it. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean. That's what yeah. again I've spoken on the podcast because that's what I get quite a lot. Yes. Where I don't know if you heard Stacy saying he doesn't get that. Yeah, I heard. Which I thought was quite again, and they're my friends, so it's not like yeah. I'm not playing any kind of violin for myself. No, no, no. But I get reminded a lot in different certain. You know, sometimes it's teasing just for fun. Yeah. Sometimes it's uh, I've mentioned before. If I meet new people, mm. then they'll hear I've got an accent, yeah. and then I get the whole kind of. Where I've noticed from, that in podcast, and the first thing that occurs to me occurred to me was sometimes you actually start speaking English when you speak to people. Do I? Here at, yes. Oh, at work, yeah. At work, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You start speaking English, maybe that's why people see you as an Englishman. And I never start speaking Bosnian to anybody no, because no. they don't understand the language. No. So maybe that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. At work, perhaps. Yeah. But it's, as I said, it's usually used, though, as a kind of, as a tease. And it's, yeah. and it's okay. It, and it's for fun. And I know For it's... me, it's not okay. Actually, I've said it to a few colleagues. I don't like it when you say things about me not being Danish. So you, you've also kind of... I've been, said it. No, but what I mean is colleagues have said to you something that maybe teased you about yeah. that's because you're not from Denmark they or have. something along those lines. Like, you know, lucky you're tanned. Right. <laughs> lucky you, you're yeah. tanned. The people don't understand that it's offensive. You see, that's one thing about you that maybe I would class. I mean, I don't know you that well, yeah. um, but I would class as kind of undanish. Is the fact that you're very direct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a good thing. Shit, my cover blew up. Because, because because Danes usually would maybe feel like you felt that they they don't yeah. like it, but they would maybe Wrap keep it, it to themselves yeah. and then maybe say to a friend <laughs> that they didn't like it, where you would just look someone in the eyes and say, "I don't like that." Yeah. And that's maybe your kind of not Danishness, undanishness. Yeah. Again, it's not every single Dane, but yeah, this no. kind of you know, you're not you're you're not afraid of a conflict. Yeah, I've heard that verbal. before. I haven't I I've never connected it to me being a Bosnian. No, it might not be. It might I've just be always who you are connected Yes, to. I've connected it to being my personality mm. because my father is like that too. And that's the thing I, I most appreciate about people being direct and honest. Well, that's one thing you see we have yeah. maybe have in common because, and the reason I'm saying it to you is mm. because it's been said to me, yeah. is that because of my Englishness, I'm not afraid. I, I don't have that kind of what people would stereotypically see. Danes are quite, you know, they don't like the sort of this verbal kind mm. of conflict. Yeah. Whereas because I'm English, I'll just say whatever it is I yeah. feel and people can just take it or leave it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking that maybe our otherness comes, you know, is, yeah. is shown through through our maybe direct. It is. Way of speaking, perhaps. Yeah. But I haven't seen it as, you know, it's where I come from, that people are like that in Bosnia. But maybe it is. Maybe it is. It's a cultural thing, mm. I think. But I hear you now saying two different things, which I'm not, again, I'm not trying to catch you out or... No. But you're first saying you feel like you're assimilated. Yes. But at the same time, we're talking about all the times when you know, people either remind you through your daughter that you're yeah. kind of not Danish yeah. or at work when you're not Danish or maybe also on the news if they're talking about um, immigration yeah. or whatever. Yes. So 
but wouldn't assimilation mean that that doesn't affect you because you would just feel Danish? That's a good question. I don't know if assimilation means that you don't that you don't feel the assaults, right? Maybe you feel the assaults, but you don't react on them. Right. I'm not taking, you know, conflict with everybody. <laughs> That'd be quite <laughs> Not tiring. at all. No. But I've said it to well, a few of, colleagues. in conflict with most of the sort of the whole patriarchal system, but we can get to that maybe yeah. later. Yes. You know. <laughs> That's a struggle. That's a struggle on its own. That's a struggle on a whole different level. On a whole different level, yeah. I've taken, you know, it's, I wouldn't call it a conflict. I've said it to a few mm. colleagues who I appreciate a lot, and mm. I want to maintain the good relationship that we have. Yes. So I wanted to say to them, you know, actually, that's a bit offensive. Yeah. It's, it's racist. Yeah, it is. Because they're not aware of that they are saying it. No, it's. Not, I don't think it's intentionally. No, no, I don't think it is either. I so I've just, you know, think pointed that it's a nice out. Thing to say maybe. Yeah. That like it's a compliment. You look beautiful. You look great. Yeah. You've got this nice olive yeah. skin, and that's really yeah. kind of attractive. You're yeah. so lucky. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Think maybe it's they. Any... That's what they mean, mm. right? Yeah. But then they should say, "Your skin looks pretty." Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not like lucky. You're tanned, like. What if I don't want to be tanned? Yeah. I cannot just, you know, wipe it off. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah. So I've said it to not create a conflict in the future. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. I think, I mean, I've mentioned it on an earlier episode about there's a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. Yeah. And the idea that he wants to, uh, the book, <laughs> the, the guy who wrote it is called uh, Ibrahim uh, Kendi. Anyway, yeah. he, he's, he's got this idea that everyone is or can be racist. And the idea of the noun and the verb, so there is a racist or being racist. Mm. And what he wants, even though he knows how difficult it is, is the word to kind of be desensitized. Yes. Because as soon as you say to someone they're being racist, their automatic thing is to defend themselves yes. because it's like an attack. Yeah. Rather than seeing it as, okay, I didn't mean to be racist. Yeah. How can I not be? Yes. And that's the approach that yeah. I had. That's it. That, that, well, that, that's why that's I mentioned the it. approach that mm. I got from mm, because, some of my colleagues that I said, you know, yeah. right, that's a bit racist. Mm. Then they said, oh, I haven't thought of it yeah. like that. Yeah. Because I don't think anybody potentially wants to hurt my feelings. Yeah. So. But there's also another thing that he says that might apply to you or maybe kind of challenge you a little bit is when people say that they don't see color. And the idea of not seeing yeah. color because that's bullshit. Because when he says about being an anti-racist, because again, I was thinking if you feel assimilated, if you just feel Danish, yeah, then then the idea that they should see my Danishness. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> also, you know, his argument is how can you see if someone is being discriminated against mm -hmm. because of the color of their skin yeah. or because of their background yeah. if you don't actually see that they're different. Mm. That's why I say so, so, the you know, approach, I don't see color. That's bullshit. It is bullshit. I mean, we, we agree, but at the uh, same time, you know. You cannot see it unless the person tells you. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, but, but my question is, though, if, if you don't see yourself as different, mm -hmm. how do you know if you're being discriminated against because you're different? Because Does that make they, any sense? Yes, because they say the words that are 
Yeah, but, it can, I, but it can be structural, can't it? It can yeah. be structural. It can be that yeah. you're kind of, there's a conversation and you're not maybe listened to hmm. and someone else who is perhaps, you know, white with blonde hair and blue eyes, yeah. Dane, is listened to. So yeah. it doesn't have to be, oh, look at your skin. No. You can be kind of, you know, discriminated yeah. against structurally. And, and I don't know if I have experienced, experienced structural racism against myself. I have no idea. Because I haven't applied for a job or an education or mm. whatever and didn't get it, right? But you know, I mean, obviously you've seen this. The but it exists. Stuff. Yeah, it does happen. Yeah, it two, happens. Two CVs get sent yes. off. One's called Yen, Hen, Jens Hensen yeah, yeah. and the other one's called Ali something. And you get the job. You know, that's... I had one student five years ago. Right. His name was Ali. Yeah. Uh, and he was... A great student. Yeah. So I asked him, because I also had his sister, and I asked him uh, what he was interested in and what kind of job he wants to get, you know, after the education. And he yeah. said he would like to be a business psychologist, I think. Then I said, well, you have good grades. You can manage. Then he said one thing that struck me a lot. Yeah. He said... Well, if I get the interview, yeah. because, you know, I'm in competition with Jens and Paul and whenever, mm -hmm. and when they see my name, Ailey, they're not going to invite me. And I was left, you know, I almost had tears in my eyes because this was an individual 20 years and his hopes for a job is all already, you know, yeah. shut down. Mm. That's, yeah, structural. Yeah. And I, I told him, well, you know, GDPR rules, they're going to wipe out all the information, so you're go <laughs> you'll get the interview. Yeah, I mean, hopefully yeah, things have progressed, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's a reality. That, yeah. But that's a reality that you don't feel that you've faced. You don't feel that you've faced any of that. You don't feel that not you've of, met that. Not of my knowing. <laughs> okay, not of your knowledge. No, okay. Yeah. So. So, anyway, you say that you assimilated, right? Um, yeah. And this is, might be a difficult question, <clears throat> but do you know kind of what bits of you then you kind of left behind? Like, you know, if you went from one state yeah. to another state, yeah. what bits of you kind of changed to become Danish yeah. from being Bosnian? I actually have Bosnian neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like the universe trying to pull, pull. me back. <laughs> so they're trying to pull you back in. Yeah, that's it. So there are... Uh, to stop resisting. They're in their 30s, I think. Yeah. A little younger than me. And our kids play together all the time. They're um, good neighbors. Yeah. But they're a lot of... They're not as assimilated as I am. So they have a Bosnian community. Mm -hmm. They go to parties and yeah. they have Bosnian friends and they visit Bosnia every summer. Right. I don't. You don't? No. Um, so they have, you know, a Bosnian life or a Bosnian bubble mm -hmm. in this society. Yeah. And, you and they look happy and they're happy for their lives. Yeah. They have a lot of friends and, you mm. know, so I see that I'm not like them. Therefore, yeah. I must be assimilated. <laughs> 
Okay, yeah, yeah I, I understand the answer. Well, I yeah. think I think it's maybe I didn't explain the question well enough. So what kind of bits do you want me to tell what you? What kind about? of, yeah, I just, to try and understand what Danishness kind of, obviously, I know it's different from person to person. Yeah. So I'm not asking for like the definition, but 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 what your definition of it is. It would be great if I could give it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, the, the, yeah. the country's been obsessed with the question for, yeah. for, for since, what's that, 1869. Yeah. But, no, no. What, what? So, as I said, you went from being a kind of Bosnian, and you said you became assimilated. So, so yeah. I'm just thinking, what if you can kind of look back on that process? Yeah. What character traits, or what way of looking at the world, or what way of being, do you think that you've assimilated into that you might not have done if you stayed in Bosnia? Does that make yes? Sense? It does make sense, but I don't think I have, you know, a proper answer to that because. You're trying to get me to tell you what I see as a Bosnian woman. Uh, you know, what mm. are the characteristics of a Bosnian? Yeah. And what are the characteristics of Danish? Or and maybe what just Danish. Yeah. Or maybe just Danish. Well, I mean, when you say you're assimilated, yeah. okay, you've... You, so what do I mean? You, yeah, you, your kids go to school, you eat Danish yeah. food, you've got Danish friends, you speak the Danish language. Is that it or is there more? Is there something about your personality, maybe the way you view the world, view society? Like, yeah. as an example, we, we mentioned it earlier, you're, you're a feminist. Yes. And uh, what I would call a staunch, which means quite hardcore, you know, feminist. <laughs> a hardcore feminist. Well, not okay. hardcore, but yes. not, not hardcore in, in a negative way. I you, accept yeah, it. You, yeah, and, and okay, you accept it, that's yeah. great. Do you think that, that perhaps that, that view of, of the world, of society... That's something that maybe living in Denmark has afforded you? Or do you think that you could also have been just as sort of feminist if you had this kind of Bosnian yeah. upbringing and you stayed there? Mm, I'm you... not quite sure I could say yes to that, even though I would love to say yes, I would have been a feminist yeah. if I have been living in Bosnia. Right. I don't think so because they have a little, you know, more traditional... Sort of conservative yeah. roles for men and women. Yes. Yes. I experience it as being more traditional. And that's the part that doesn't suit me as the one that I want to be. So, yeah. I, I always said to, uh, to my friends, I would never marry a Bosnian. Because I wouldn't appreciate, you know, the traditional gender roles. Mm. But now I see a lot of Bosnian marriages <laughs> where they live as my husband and I. So maybe that's my assumption of, you know, that they are more traditional than mm -hmm. I yeah. think they are. So I was going to say, I mean, I don't know a lot about it, but Chile, I mean, would, wouldn't Chile also be quite a traditional <clears throat> uh, country in terms of, uh, yes. in terms of gender roles yeah. and stuff? Yeah, they're, they're Catholics. Yeah, so, okay. well, yeah. Yeah. That says it all. <laughs> so yes, they're mm. quite traditional. Yeah. But my mother-in-law, she's she's not a traditional. Okay. Woman. So she's new. You know, they have this uh, saying in Latin America. Not patriarchy, but matriarchy. Right. Yeah. Matriarchy. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's. Um, it says a lot about is that on women's... A is that on a family level or is that also on a societal level, the um, uh, matriarchy? 
I think it's on the family level. Yeah. Yeah. So they are like in a clash between feminism and the patriarchy. <laughs> but so you don't think that, um, yeah, but yeah, because for me, I see Denmark also as a very like progressive, mm. open, um, yeah. you know, its attitudes to sex and the female body, mm. even from the 60s, you know, has been always at the, at the forefront, either yeah. with England or USA, or not, not so much what USA is, yeah, in some ways, but mm. definitely Denmark has sort of taken the first step in, in lots of ways. Yeah. So I was thinking, do you think that that has kind of rubbed off on you, that kind of attitude towards? Definitely. Definitely, yeah. it has. Yeah. Because my mother and father, they lived in semi-modern gender roles. Yeah. Because my father, he contributed, you know, in the household. Mm -hmm. He washed clothes and make, made dinner and... Whatever. So it's not like my upbringing was traditional. Mm. So maybe there's a part of it there. And, the you know, 90% is because I live here. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I, I don't have, you know, I don't know if Bosnian young people, now I call myself young, right? If people in 30s and 40s, are they feminists? Or not? I think they are. There must be a Bosnian feminist movement. Sure, there must must exist. I but think many... there is, but mm. I haven't heard of it. So yeah. I don't know. So if someone asks you where you're from, you say Denmark, and you say you're Danish. It depends where I am. <laughs> Actually, you change your story. I do. Okay. I've noticed that because. Last summer, I went to Bosnia to visit my grandmother. Yeah. She's almost 83, so she's, you know, old. So I went there, and whenever I introduced myself, I only used my first name and my maiden name, Nerma Dedic. Is that, oh, your maiden name, oh, Dedic, yeah. yeah, yeah. I only used those names at the Balkans. When people ask me, who are you? I why, say, why, why? I'm why never you use your, um, Because your I want to identify myself with them. You right. know, I don't want to tell them, well, I actually have a different life. Okay. So I hide my identity yeah. by saying what they expect to hear. They hear, hear me speaking Bosnian, so they assume, well, you're... A Bosnian woman. Okay. So I say, yes, I'm Nerma Dedic. <laughs> Social chameleon, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's quite funny. And in Denmark, when people but if ask you're into me, England, let's just say you were in London on holiday, yeah. and someone said, where are you from? Danish. You would say you're Danish? Yeah. Absolutely, okay. You wouldn't say you're Bosnian-Danish, or, or half Bosnian, half Danish, whatever. You just no. say you're Danish. No, because I don't feel half Bosnian, half Danish. In my mind, that would be... A person who had a mother or a father that was, you know, Bosnian and Danish. Right, yeah. So I don't feel like, you know, I have two identities. I feel like I'm a Danish girl who accidentally <laughs> lived in Bosnia for 10 years. Right, yeah. That's how it feels. Okay. And it took me several years to admit that it's okay. It's okay that I don't feel Bosnian. 
it's not like I'm neglecting mm. the Bosnian society or my roots or whatever. I don't. I appreciate it a lot. But I don't feel like a Bosnian because I don't have a, a Bosnian community here. Or I choose not to have. Yeah. Because it exists. Yeah, we're quite similar there. I, there is, there are English communities mm. yeah. or, or British communities yeah. here. But I choose in a way to not sort of. So why do you choose that? Maybe that can answer my own question. <laughs> I think because I'm a snob. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, in, in, in some ways. I think at the start when, um, um, yeah, I said it to Stacey. The, the, the types, it sounds, it sounds snobbish, which it kind of is, I suppose. Yeah. The types of English people that were here. Okay. If I met those in a pub in England. You wouldn't talk to I, them? I wouldn't. It's not like I would hate them or anything. No, no. They did, I just wouldn't be, you know, I'd say hi or whatever yeah. and, you know, and maybe chit-chat, but they wouldn't be people that I would be friends with or okay. spend an evening with. Okay. And um, And for me, I just felt two things, really, that, it seemed quite sort of trivial, just, okay, well, we both speak the same language. Yeah. so We oh, must be friends. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And, and, and we both can talk about football because, you yeah. know, we're from England, so we both love football. Yeah. So let's base our friendship on that. Mm, yeah. And for me, it was more their interests and who they were and their yeah. values and because I like to have, well, just like this, I like to have deeper conversations mm. than just kind of how's the weather and did you see the football last week, yeah. even though there's nothing wrong with those. And the other thing was, I, I also had the, again, it's a small sample size, but the people that were here, they would quite often sit maybe in the pub and complain about oh. perhaps Denmark or okay. the Danes or just how much better everything is in the UK oh. or whatever. And I just thought, well, if it's so good, go home. Yeah, okay. And... Um, and also I was lucky because I got a job quite quickly and I got, uh, there's a friend... Um, uh, Jakob, who I've mentioned here a few times, he's mm. still my friend now. Sort yeah. of, I was friends with him after two months of being here. So, in fact, all my friends are Danish. I, I don't know any English, apart from Stacey, obviously, who's, yeah. a, who's a, but he's a colleague. Yeah. So, but even with Stacey, um, you know, him and I, we don't sort of socialise no. outside work no. just because we're both from England. No. Why should you? Yeah, that's yeah. it. So I can relate to, to that part of the question. Mm. Just because we speak the same language, we don't have to be friends. Right, yeah. Maybe we don't have anything in common. Uh, I'm not sure that I relate to the first part of being snobbish because I see Bosnian people, academics, yeah, politicians, mm. whatever, yeah, you know, the same as me. But I don't connect to them because of that or because of that they're not from different level of society. That's yeah. not the main reason. Yeah, yeah, for me, when I say snobbish, it was more perhaps their humour, their tone. Yeah. I found that okay. maybe quite discriminatory. Yeah. Maybe that kind of, as we spoke about before, that kind of hygericisme, oh. that kind of sort of, um, again, this is... Again, Toward the really, Danes. Towards the Danes. Well, just, just yeah. towards everyone, everything. Oh. And, okay. and, and without, yeah, I'm, I'm a snob. So a very kind of working class attitude oh, to life okay. themselves. Yeah and the world that came across in sometimes lots of good ways and other times some ways that I didn't really kind of like being a part of. And, um, yeah, and I maybe just, you know, my background is different. Again, yeah. they're just not the sort of people that I would hang around with. Yeah. 
it makes me feel like I'm a snob because because it makes me feel like what I'm saying is I don't like working class people, <laughs> and you know, and that's not really the truth. No. That's not really what I'm trying to say. No. Some of some of my best friends are from the working class. It yeah. sounds like that kind of racist thing where yeah, I'm not racist because some of my best friends mm. are black. You know, I'm not a snob. I've got some of my friends yeah. are from the working class. Yeah, but that's how that makes me feel. Yeah, but um, I think that might be a good place to end. Unless there's anything you want to. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing it. I think you know, I hope it's been my, really interesting. My story, you know, is interesting. It's sort of it's being talking to the, this sort of someone who's completely assimilated, <laughs> but who isn't at the same time. Yeah. He's assimilated but can feel outside. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel outside. Yeah. I only feel outside when somebody tells me you're yeah, out. Outside. Yeah. yeah, but also I think you know listening to the story about you know your kids because they're kind of feeling something you haven't felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not and not just in a negative way, yeah. and you know because they've got Chilean dad, a Bosnian mum, yeah. and they've also been raised as Danes, so yeah. they this kind of really kind of yeah. multicultural it is. upbringing. Yeah. So do they know Spanish, Spanish as well? Your kids? Yes, Lino, my husband, he tries to speak Spanish. To them, I try to speak Bosnian to them. Well, the problem is they speak Danish to us yeah. and to each other. Yeah. So it's a, a bit difficult And English maintaining. is taught here in schools early, so they've probably yeah, got quite a good... They, they're good at English. Sorry, so is their mum. She's really good. Uh, She's my pronunciation is not, you know, quite... <laughs> it's okay. I think at this level you'd get a 12. I'll get a 12, yeah, yes. You'd get an 8, yeah. But thanks, Naomi. You're welcome. Great.